0: have a list of questions that I do start with, like the whole episode isn't scripted, but the questions I ask technically are. There's sometimes are extra questions that I add based on the conversation, but I know that occasionally people have sent us messages about, you look like you were really surprised about this particular answer that Wayne said. I'm like, I was. Like that is a genuine reaction. Like I was actually surprised that that's the way he answered. So that's been kind of interesting too.
1: Marissa, welcome to the Podcasting Success Secret Show. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm excited to chat and talk. I know you guys hit a couple of milestones recently, so congrats on that.
0: Thank you so much. Both
1: in downloads and a number of episodes, which is really cool. So let's just kick it off. And what I'd love for you to talk about is what was the origin of the podcast? You've got a really unique situation. I'd love to hear kind of why you started your podcast. I know you've helped in a variety of different ones, so you can take that wherever you want. But uh, let's go back to the beginning.
0: Yeah, sure. So I'm actually a web developer for the Kevin Eikenberry Group, which is a leadership and learning consulting company. And I've been editing one of the podcasts with them, a remarkable leadership podcast for six years, coming up on seven. And basically, the way that Long Distance Work Life started, which I co-host on, is that in the end of 2021, I knew that my co-host, Wayne Trammell, as well as my boss, Kevin Ikeberry, they had a book coming out, which is actually behind me. February 28th is when it will release. And so the book was already written. We knew it was coming. I know that podcasts are really good for promoting books. And and I was teasing my co-host Wayne in an all-team meeting, which I probably shouldn't have done, but that's okay. And had said, hey, so uh, when are you going to start a podcast? And knowing that Wayne used to have a podcast called the Cranky Metal Manager.
1: What year is this?
0: This would be the end of 2021. I said that and he was like, you know, I've been kind of thinking about it, but I don't know what I do. And ah, it's a lot of work. and And I was like, there is virtually little work for you. I'm volunteering <laughs> to do this because I was editing everything anyway. And at this point, I was already doing two shows, Talk Like a Leader podcast I was also doing, although that one's recently stopped. But, you know, it was one of those things that I'm volunteering to do this. I really just need you to get on board. Probably about January or so, we had conversations about what the show could look like, what name it would have, that kind of thing. And this whole time, there was never a thought process that I would be involved other than a backstage kind of way. Then Wayne sent me a message and he said, I can't be the only one that's going to rant about remote work for 10 or 15 minutes. It just no one will listen to it. I disagree, but that's beside the point he asked if I could co-host every other week. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So after being an editor for six years, I finally got behind the mic as a co-host. So I'm still editing that show, but I'm co-hosting as well.
1: What was that process of convincing him? Did he come along on his own or did you have to kind of keep poking him a little bit or was the seed already planted and then it just kind of grew? I'm curious how that came about.
0: There was a little bit of encouragement that kind of had to happen, but it was really, I think it was a lot more along the lines of he'd already been kind of thinking about it or kind of knew that it was coming. I was just the one that finally said something. I think a lot of it, too, was just, I mean we all have imposter syndrome. We all have moments of, well, I'm going to start this show and nobody's going to listen to it. And I think that there was a little bit of that too, that it was trying to figure out, okay, what can we do on our show that's different than the other remote work shows out there? And once, once we figured those pieces out, it all kind of started to fall into place. Yeah. It's
1: cool when you have to do all the hard stuff. It's true. It's fun sometimes. But for a lot of people, and what we do is they get to stay in their element and their genius, and they just come in and talk and share their wisdom. And then they get out of there. And then the hard work begins. The real work begins. Right. So now how many episodes? You guys just came up on on how many episodes?
0: Uh, I think we're up to 50 or so now. It's been a little bit since I checked.
1: So 50 episodes, when you think about the evolution of that, Do you feel like it's still the same show as it was at the beginning? Are there any big iterations? Were there any big shifts? Do you think the first 15 or 20 were kind of like this? And then we started doing this. Or how has the show evolved over time for you guys?
0: There was a little bit of a small shift. So when we first started, I was only going to be on every other episode. We have an interview that Wayne does on the episodes that I'm not on but we thought we were going to do like one episode a month that was like, ask Wayne anything. And I was just going to sit there and pepper him with questions about remote work. And then maybe the next one, we would dive into one particular topic. And what it's kind of become, and it only took three or four episodes before this shifted. So it was still pretty early on in the show is that I pretty much stick to one topic for each episode anyway. So it is kind of a deep dive on something. I know we did one a few weeks ago about ethical visibility. I did another one about what is ahead of remote difference between remote friendly and remote first. I mean, all of these different kinds of topics, but it it really wasn't the ask me anything that I thought it was going to be when we first started.
1: The way that content evolves is always it's Challenge because I talk with a lot of people when they're starting a show and they have all these ideas, and they're like, We could do this, and we could do this, and we could do this, and we could do this. And it's like, you could, you could do all of that. I don't know what you're gonna do. Only you will find right. Like, think it reminds me like only you can prevent forest fires. It's like, oh, only you are gonna be the one that's gonna know what's gonna work, and we could make all of these plans and have all of these ideas, but until we get into it, there's no way to know. There's no way to know.
0: Absolutely. Well, and there was a little bit too of like, I'd never been a co-host before. So we had no idea what that was going to look like or how I was going to do, to be quite honest about it. And thankfully, I feel like I've done okay. Wayne hasn't fired me yet. So I figure that's a good sign, right? But it's been really fun to almost be the voice of the audience. So... For those who haven't listened to the show, I essentially come in as the amateur on an amateur expert duo. I have been remote working for almost nine years now, but I'm not the expert. That's what Wayne is. I'm there to make Wayne look good. That's, that's really what I'm there for. It's really fun for me to think about, okay, what are these questions that the audience is asking about remote work? What are the things that they don't know? Sometimes some of the questions that I ask, like they might seem super obvious, especially to somebody who's been doing remote work for a long time. I know Wayne's been training remote workers for 20 years now, but it's fun to be able to come in with those more seemingly obvious questions and stop and go, oh, we do need to explain this. We do need to talk about what this means because there are a bunch of people that don't know. And I will say that was something that I didn't know that I was going to enjoy when I first started the show.
1: Yeah. What have you learned about being the co-host, right? Because I think that that newbie's perspective is is really valuable. And I'm curious how, what has that journey been like for you?
0: It's been actually really incredible. I know that when I first started, I was nervous. I didn't think I was going to do very well, to be quite honest about it, because I don't do public speaking very well. I mean, I said earlier in the show, I'm a web developer. Put me behind a computer and leave me alone and I'm good. That's just where I thrive. So that was really interesting. One of the biggest things, and it's something I still struggle with, to be honest about it, I talk too fast. I don't know what it is. I am just a fast talker and we have an intro and extra for our episodes. I have a script. I'll be honest about it. And I look at the script every time. And there's something about looking at that script that I end up speeding up as we're talking. Wayne will usually stop me in between episodes. We usually shoot two at once. And he's like, okay, you have a speedometer it's way over here and i need you to dial it back like 30 miles per hour. I'm still adjusting to that for sure. I think i'm also not just as a co-host in general but also just as a remote worker and now knowing that like i'm doing this podcast about remote work so there's all of this research and connections and networking that i'm doing and i'm learning to try and get fodder and topics for the show to be honest about it but It's also helping me actually have conversations with my co-host about the topics that we're doing rather than me just asking questions and it feeling more like an interview.
1: Yeah. I don't have any up right now, but it's probably just because they've fallen down. I have put up many a post-it on my wall that says, slow down, slow down. So you are not alone. And I think it's our excitement and our brain is running way faster than we can talk. and You're definitely not alone
0: there. I actually had to write pause in my script. So I would pause in between sentences. Yes,
1: I love it. I love it. I've been the one to in those instances read, pause, and then go. Excuse me. You know the Ron Burgundy kind of kind of thing.
0: <laughs> Thankfully, I had enough drama club experience to know not to do that.
1: <laughs> so many people have they have opinions about scripts and intros, outros. Some people are on one side or the other. Does scripting out the intros and outros, or how much do you script your episodes? And can you take us into a little bit of that process for you? Yeah.
0: So. The episodes that I'm on, the intro is scripted, the outro is scripted. It's pretty much the same thing every time. Occasionally, we'll switch whatever our CTA is at the end. It just depends on what's going on. But... There is a script I'm reading off of it. I have gotten to a point that I have realized I don't actually need the script for the intro anymore. So it is a crutch and I need to stop using that one to be quite honest about it. But what it really helped with me, we're a B2B podcast. So this isn't just a passion project for us. I mean, Ideally, we're going to get clients off of this. We're going to get people that are going to, you know, buy my co hosts book or ask us to come in for training or things of that nature. And so I want to make sure to hit all of the different points so that way people know how to get a hold of us and how to talk to us to potentially hire us for their organization. I talk too fast. I'm nervous as hell. (laughs) So... Having a script really helped me make sure that I was going to hit all of those points in a way that I wasn't doing our very first few episodes when I didn't have that script at all.
1: Yeah. What's interesting is about structure giving you freedom. Once you get over that initial memorization of it, well, now you can be a lot more, frankly, I think authentic because you're 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 not worrying about what to say. So I really like that advice.
0: I will say I do have a list of questions that I do start with. Like the whole episode isn't scripted, but the questions I ask technically are. There sometimes are extra questions that I add based on the conversation. But I know that occasionally people have sent us messages about, you look like you were really surprised about this particular answer that Wayne said. I'm like, I was. Like that is a genuine reaction. Like I was actually surprised that that's the way he answered. So that's been kind of interesting too.
1: That's so funny. I'd love to get into when we get back from break, what you think might the crossovers be between podcasters and those who are working from home? There are a lot of similarities there. And so I'd like to discuss that. And we're going to do that right after this quick break. Hey guys, quick heads up. We are opening back up our podcast virtual mixers. And so if you are wanting to dive in and hang out, integrate yourself with other podcasters, come hang out at one of our podcast AMA virtual mixers. You can find all the info in the show notes. We'd love to see you there. Marissa, we are back. And your show is, I think, a great emblem of podcasts because what I really love about podcasts is when they Find either a niche or a topic or even a perspective and they really go deep with that. I think that's the real opportunity with podcasts. In the same way that a book about like everything is not a very good book. There are only so many great books on how to like live an awesome life and there's, you know, but if all of a sudden we get really narrow and specific about a certain part of living an awesome life, that's a lot more interesting and the same thing happens with podcasting. Are there any parallels or crossovers that you see from the things and the topics that you're talking about on the show to what a podcaster is actually doing on kind of a week-to-week basis?
0: I think there is some of it. I'm not sure that I really got into what the topic of our show is, but we're attempting to help people learn how to live, work and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I think some of the things that we do talk about that are really important is we talk about the use of video and why you should turn on your webcams. Why? Body language. It provides richer communication. Even even podcasters that only do audio only and they're never actually going to release the video, there's still a value in seeing your guest on video even just to see their body language and see what that looks like and to kind of play off of that a little bit. So there is definitely that. We also talk a lot about just communication in general and how people have different communication styles and you're not going to talk to everybody the same way, whether you think that you should or not. There's also some of that that really comes into play too.
1: I think there's a big difference between communicating with people in person and communicating with people on Slack or email. Is it not different? I mean, I, I'd love I'd love to get your your thoughts on that.
0: I don't think it's different, and I'll tell you, I mean, it is a little bit. There are things like if you're communicating on Slack, obviously you don't see body language. You can't hear their tone of voice. Like that is all true. The richer that you can make the communication the better. But if I'm on Zoom and I'm talking to you or if I'm on Slack or if I'm in person, there are still things about your communication style that I'm going to have to keep in mind regardless of where and how I'm speaking to you. In our company, we use the DISC assessment. And so for those who are not familiar, the DISC model of human behavior, which says that there are four types essentially, and everybody's a blend of these things. And I'll get you a link so it can be in the show notes so that I'll explain it a little bit better. But essentially... I'm somebody that has high cautious traits. That means I'm detail-oriented. I'm task-focused. I'm more likely to give you a ton of details, and I'm less likely to tell you a story. But my co-host, Wayne, if I remember correctly, he's an inspiring style. He's more likely to tell you stories. He's less likely to give you a bunch of details. There are some things that like I have to keep in mind when I'm talking to him that I can't give him a whole list of details about a particular topic because more than likely, he's not going to read them. (laughs) And that's no disrespect to Wayne. It's just at some point, it's too much. He wants the bottom line. But he also knows for me that if I don't have the answers that I need before going on a project or doing a task, I'm going to keep asking questions until I have all those details and then I'll go run with it. So those types of communication styles Those are going to happen regardless of where and how you're speaking to somebody.
1: One of the places that comes up that we're really diving into is the guest communication. And there's so much opportunity for that to go well or not. There is the host out there that makes you fill out a tax form in order to come on you know, their show. And there's a 60-page questionnaire that it's like going to the doctor's office. And I don't think that that's the way. And then there's also the person who doesn't give any prep, doesn't give any lead up, and the guest is subject to their own devices. There's a delicate balance, but I think that you're speaking to the need to meet people where they're at. I'd love for you to expand on that though, because communicating with guests, I'm trying to think if there's any other people regularly that you would kind of be communicating, obviously listeners on social media, but do you see any other places where podcasters might be able to integrate some of these communication best practices, if you will?
0: I think it could probably even just come up in just general networking and ways, you know, I know that you guys are doing your podcast AMAs. That would be a place that that could probably come into play, even just connecting people on LinkedIn. I know we talked about social media a second ago too. I really think that those are some ways that we can kind of think about it. I will say, even though I am a very detail-oriented person, that is not normal for most people. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. So for the most part, If you're going to communicate with somebody and you don't know what their communication style is, which is very normal, trying to get bottom line is probably the best way to do it. But to your point, it has been very interesting to me as somebody who's guested on quite a few podcasts at this point, how different people handle guests. Sometimes I get a full list of what the questions are going to be. Sometimes I don't. I'm now expecting either way now, but the first couple of times that I did a show, it was like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to come on here and talk about? Like, I don't
1: know. That's a really good point. And I take that for granted. Even I've done, I don't know, hundreds of interviews like this. And so I come in and I am taking for granted that I've done that. And I'm just going to help you to talk about what you want to talk about and what you're good at talking about. But I guess that's not the case always. I
0: think it depends. The very, very first guest interview that I ever did. It was with Pilar Ortiz on Adventures in Podcasting. And she is somebody who will send you questions ahead of time. As somebody who'd never done a guest interview before, that was a godsend. I was so glad that she did that because I knew exactly what she was expecting. And I kind of pre-prepared my answers. So that way I kind of knew what I was supposed to say. So that was really helpful. But I have been on other shows where there wasn't anything, you know, but I still kind of knew what we were going to talk about. And I think the more comfortable that I've become behind the mic, both as a co-host and a guest has helped with that a lot. But you're absolutely right. People who are newer at this, that's not going to necessarily be something that they're going to be good at straight from the get-go.
1: You know, I'm thinking the the way we've sent them, when they book an interview with one of our shows, we send them a email that says, hey, you're confirmed. We got you locked in. Here are like three simple things that you can do. We talk about like a mic. We talk about where we're going to record. And then I think we talk about topics, but I don't think that we give them any questions or here are some potential questions. I don't have a script or anything for the questions that I'm asked, but I think giving them some ideas or here's what might happen, It's always good for people to have an idea of what's going to happen. You don't have to stick to it, but I think that giving them that confidence is going to allow them to come in with a different presence and the ones that need to prepare have the ability to do that.
0: Absolutely. 100%. Any
1: other must-dos or like, thankfully we do this or we have to do this every week. It could be anything from we make sure that we record every week or like we always post to this place or we do this at the end of each recording. Is there something that you guys make sure to do that you think has been really helpful?
0: I do think that one of the things that when Wayne and I record together, more often than not, we do two at a time. I come in with both topics. He roughly knows what we're going to talk about ahead of time. He doesn't always look at the questions that I give him. That's fine. But to your point from earlier, he doesn't need the questions. He's going to be fine regardless. (laughs) But by shooting two of them at once or recording two of them at once, it's helped us to not have to find more time in his calendar because he's busy. And it helps me to know we're ahead because since those episodes are every two weeks, it's like, oh, our month is done. Now, his other episodes, he does with a guest. He records them ahead of time, sends them to me, that kind of thing. But at least for two episodes a month, I know exactly what they're going to be and we just record them as we need to.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot of peace of mind. I've done the opposite where you just record whenever all the time. And you go through these feast or famine kind of moments where you're all, you've got a lot of episodes and then you're not staying consistent. So then all those episodes get published and you look up and you're like, oh, geez, I got to get out and start recording again. And it's this up and down and up and down, as opposed to, I'd imagine he's going through his own things, but you are able to maintain a level of consistency where boom, you get in, you knock him out and it's like, okay, good. We're good for the month. I really like that. Marissa, I have one question for you, but before we get to the last question, I'd love for you to share the show name again, and then anywhere people might be able to get connected with you or go deeper into whatever it is that you guys do.
0: Yeah. So the show name is The Long Distance Work Life. You can find us at longdistanceworklife.com. And I work for the Kevin Eikenberry group. That's where this podcast is um, under the umbrella, I guess. So com. We are a leadership and learning consulting company. We help teach people remote work, but we also do things like helping people transition into being a new supervisor or just being a leader in general, as well as I know I mentioned the disc assessment earlier. You can find that at discpersonalitytesting.com. You can also get a hold of me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm pretty active on both.
1: Thank you so much, Marissa, for doing this. This has been great. My last question to you is, in your opinion, what has been the secret to your success in podcasting?
0: I really think that it's been consistency showing up regardless of what that looks like. I know last year, I had a bunch of personal issues on my end that I couldn't do clips like I really wanted to. I wasn't going to be consistent in clips. So I stopped doing clips. What I did continue to do was post the episode every single week and post about it every single week. That was the consistency that I was able to do then. So now it's a little different. I am able to post clips more often. We're seeing some growth with that. But again, it's a new consistency. So you don't have to do everything all at once. You will burn out 100%. But find the things that you can be consistent in and do that. You can always build up from there
1: yeah great advice definitely great advice guys go get connected with marissa we connected on linkedin also now we're connected on twitter and connect with me as well at hector underscore podcast wherever you're listening to this we'd love a rating or review and if there is someone who wants the secrets to success in podcasting we'd love for you to send them this episode thanks as always for being part of the fam we'll see you guys on the next one later y'all